1: Homes.com. We've done your homework. School of Humans. This show follows the investigation
2: of serial murders and contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion advised.
0: On the ground in Johannesburg, Jennifer and I spent a lot of time in the car with Detective Ben Boysen. The West Rand gold mine looms in the distance over Krugersdorp. A fine dust blows from the hill into the city. Stark trees, dead grass, dusty gutters line the grey streets as Ben offered us as many insights like this one about the state of the police force.
3: So eventually there's about 17,000 cops in the whole of South Africa, policing 60 million people. So how the hell do you think you're going to, to ever, ever in your life control crime and get your hand over crime? It will never happen.
0: The South African Police Department and judicial system are often so overwhelmed that unsolved cases go cold and then fall by the wayside.
3: Before you can start actually investigating the case decently, you've got a next murder case and you've got a next hijacking case and you've got a next robbery case and you continue to do the job. So, yeah, this is, this is my South Africa, you know. It's the Wild West.
0: This is one of the reasons EPD would continue to evade justice for four more years after Michaela's murder. The sights and sounds of South Africa streamed past us as we left the bustle, the dreary, loud streets of Krugerstorp, and ascended the green suburban hills with well-manicured lawns and quiet avenues that overlooked the city. Ben set the stage for the next tragedy. His weary words spilled out as he drove. The pain in his voice was unexpected and disarming.
3: This country is, you know, we're in a tunnel and there's a big light outside and everybody thinks that light is the sun. That light's not the sun. That light is a train coming with a huge speed and something really bad is going to happen in the near future. It can't go on like this. Somewhere along the line, things must change. But before things need to change, things need to be at their worst.
0: From School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts, this is Queen Havoc and her murder cult. I'm your host, Kurt Kubicek. Episode 6, House of Cards. The staggering amount of incompetence by law enforcement was already weighing heavy on Suzette when she was brought on in 2012.
1: There was a gap in our legal system, and it frustrated me. And you give your all, but you're not you're not receiving half of that back.
0: Suzette did give her all. For over 20 years, she served her country on the force.
1: I gave my life. And I even set my two kids aside to, uh, to do what was in my blood.
0: And then there was the Cecilia Stein case. Detective Suzette could see that Michaela's murder was directly tied to the case number debacle that allowed Mirinda to walk.
1: When he came in court, Marinda couldn't be placed in this case because this case, and they said, but she can't be connected to this case, so let her go. And they let her go. That is what happened.
0: Detective Suzette was fed up the community was already racked with grief and terrorized by the murders. And now, she feared for her own family, as her then 16-year-old daughter, Shanae, remembers.
4: She was so stressed and so worried about me and my brother and our safety <laughs> that we could barely go somewhere. And we respected my mom because at the time, we did not know exactly how dangerous those people were. So my mom just showed us pictures of how they look like. And if we see them in public, just go a different direction.
0: But the final blow arrived when Detective Suzette confronted Captain Van Vick about the case number mix-up. Captain Van Vick maintained that he wasn't responsible and that he was following orders. Ones given to him by Colonel De DeJager.
1: When I found him to ask him what the hell happened, no, sorry, no, no, but Ian I said, Listen, I'm done. I'm done helping. I'm done assisting. I am withdrawing.
0: Just following orders just doesn't cut it, says journalist Jana Marks.
4: I mean, as an investigative officer, he had to make certain calls, not just say, "Yan, I mean, to what Diagar is saying.
0: In other words, Van Vick was the lead officer and shouldn't have been just a yes-man to de Jager. This issue with the wrong case number, plus Van Vick being a willing pawn to Colonel de Jager, and then the state's attorney refusing to grant Suzette arrest warrants for the other members of Cecilia's gang, it was all too much for Detective Suzette. Plus, her children's lives were now at risk, too. The strain became more than Detective Suzette could bear.
1: It was like within weeks that I left the police. It just broke me and I just
3: decided "Mm, I've had enough.
0: After more than two decades of dedicated work, Detective Suzette Canotse quit the force altogether. And shockingly, so did Van Vick, who was still tracking the progress of the
3: investigation. I was devastated because I knew that Marinda Stein, she was somehow involved. But, yeah, unfortunately, our judicial system works in such a manner that the prosecutor decides not to place the matter, then they don't place it, so basically back to square one. Like I said, I was devastated, and I actually resigned from the police a couple of months later.
0: It's worth noting that while Detective Suzette Kenote was on the case, murders fitting the pattern of the EPD killing spree ground to a halt. Detective Ben Boyson suspects that her focus on the group had a lot to do with that
3: they know if they're going to do something now the spotlight is on them and that's why they stopped with the killings and stuff.
0: So the killing ceased in 2012 and the case against Ria Grunewald went cold. She subsequently left town to start a new life. Over the course of a single year law enforcement let the same murderer walk twice and lost one of their most loyal investigators. Electus Perdeus laid low from early 2013 to late 2015, but Cecilia kept them busy. They continued to do her bidding while she reminded them all about the cost of doubt. Here's journalist Kotzer.
1: La rue told me straight up that Michaela's murder was always the example. And it was thrown in his face, you know, like to say that the same can happen to you. And I think the thing that freaked him out the most was for four years, they basically got away with her murder.
0: Also, during this period, Marinda got a new job as a 10th grade English teacher. The second-rate, hammer-wielding killer was considered one of her school's best educators, continuing to balance her two personas. Her classroom was a repurposed home economics room.
3: In the old days, it was a classroom where they teach women to cook and to do knitting and all that kind of stuff.
0: It still boasted storage closets filled with ovens and old kitchen appliances. But Marinda made the classroom her own with religious posters and Bible verses on the wall.
3: When you go inside, they will say she's the biggest Christian on earth.
0: Back home at Kasana Flats, Larue and Zach stockpiled weapons, building up the hidden arsenal for EPD. The group had moved beyond knives and hammers they'd now graduated to firearms purchased illegally from a brothel owner cecilia knew
4: it was owned by a man and his wife and the man passed away and then the widow gave them the firearms revolvers pistols automatic weapons and then zach was the one that went to pick it up he fetched the weapons
0: LaRue was put in charge of creating and maintaining the hiding places for this rookie armory. Under Cecilia's orders, each member of EPD chose their favorite gun. They were to name it. Miranda called her pistol, Charlie, after Charles Manson himself. While the killings may have stopped, EPD's collective goal to be God's, or rather Cecilia's, warriors, had not changed. Cecilia had no plans for a peaceful existence. Also during this period, Zach Valentine left his job at Discovery Life Insurance to strike out as an independent agent, not making nearly as much as he had been.
3: During 2015, after Zach Valentine left Discovery and started his own business and taking money from people, eventually that money Um, was used by them. There was no money anymore.
0: This presented a major hurdle for EPD to clear. Miranda's teaching salary was not enough to make up for Zach's losses. This would, essentially, force EPD out of hiding. Marcel was now living with Cecilia full-time, caring for Cecilia's two young children. Psychologist Rosalind McNabb advocated for Marcel in court she painted a picture of what life was like for the high schooler. She was on
4: all sorts of drugs before, which would have also been aggravating factors in her committing the crimes, because that's how she coped.
0: She spaced herself out with the drugs that she took. And there were plenty of drugs around, especially thanks to a new recruit, the blue-eyed gaunt and weathered John Barnard. When money was tight, Cecilia made some scratch selling bootleg DVDs, and sometimes she would trade them for the street drug, CAT. CAT is a highly addictive stimulant similar to what's commonly known as crystal meth. Through the exchange of bootleg DVDs for CAT, Barnard found himself over time becoming one of Cecilia's subjects, so Marcel and all the rest could easily detach from their grim reality. Barnard had no idea that he was living among a pack of killers. Like most folks in the Krugersdorp area at the time, Barnard believed that Ria was the murderous mastermind that the cops never managed to pin down. Their fledgling new member, Luke, hadn't panned out. He was now in protective custody, so there was room and Barnard was certainly a welcome addition to the group. He had steady employment at a printing company. His income helped address EPD's mounting money troubles.
3: Cecilia started thinking about, how are we going to get a lot of money? Because now we're suffering.
0: John Barnard gradually began supporting Cecilia financially, saving orphans overseas, or so he thought. He was also suspected to be entwined romantically with Mirinda. And in November of 2015, he proved his loyalty to EPD.
3: John Barnard came with the idea that, why don't you rob my boss? Because he's, he's got a big business and he's going to start a theme park. But it was only supposed to be a robbery.
0: Peter and Joan Meyer, a wealthy couple from Krugersdorp, owned the printing company where John Barnard worked. Since he was one of their oldest employees, Barnard knew that the couple was planning on opening a water park in the area, a franchise, and they had been
3: saving for some time. The Mayers is very, very rich. John Barnard told Cecilia that he know that they is hiding millions of rents in the vault. Jana Marks confirmed Barnard as the initiator
0: as well.
4: He introduced the Myers as victims, first as the, for a robbery, because... He was under the impression he, they kept millions hidden in his safe, in cash.
0: Cecilia's pupils turned to dollar signs, and she began to delegate responsibilities to her sheep. The worst part about this narcissistic scheme, the saddest thing, was that Cecilia planned to manipulate the Meyers' own children to become involved, guaranteeing access to the couple. Lieutenant Colonel Christelle Boysen had an interesting take on how Cecilia brought out the worst sides of her followers. When we spoke with her, she quoted a saying that's often attributed to the indigenous Cherokee people of North America.
4: There's an Indian proverb that says all of us have two wolves in us, a good wolf and a bad wolf, and whichever one
1: you feed takes over
5: don't put off a good night's sleep any longer get a lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight visit lisa.com slash iheart that's dot acom slash iheart hey everyone it's ted from
0: consumer cellular the guy in the orange sweater and this is your wake-up call Peter and Joan Meyer had two sons, Nicholas and Thane. Nicholas resided with his parents, and Thane, well, he was estranged. He struggled with addiction, and his parents had cut him off. Because of his friendship with John Barnard, the newest member of EPD, Thane found himself hanging around Casana Flats, in the
3: orbit of Cecilia, Marinda, and Zach. He actually went with John Barnard to buy drugs at Cecilia's house. So he knew Cecilia.
0: Peter and Joan Meyer trusted John Barnard. They'd practically helped raise him.
3: Peter brought him in when he was still a child and um, he was also a drug addict. And he assisted him, he fired him a few times, but eventually took him back because he, he, he felt for him and he was good in his work. So, in the plot to rob the Meyers,
0: Thane was an easy mark.
3: I think because his parents wanted to disown him because of his drug abuse, he wanted money. Thane, of course, never suspected that the people he was dealing with were desperate and greedy killers. He was only supposed to rob his parents and he gave them a layout of the house. So that was actually, in my view, a robbery that went wrong.
0: On November 19th, 2015, Peter Meyer receives a phone call. The woman on the line is Marinda, but she identifies herself as Gloria, a representative from the Department of Trade and Industry. She says the department is interested in helping to finance their proposed water park project. Peter is suspicious. For one, he has not yet filed government paperwork to start the franchise. And two... The only person who knows about his plans to do so is his longtime employee, John Barnard. Lured by an investment offer, Peter disregards his gut feeling that something might be off and agrees to meet. Zach creates counterfeit documents, good ones, on official government letterhead. There are then three false starts before these bumbling criminals can follow through on the robbery. First, LaRue, while preparing the guns for the robbery, accidentally shoots himself with a 22 revolver and is rushed to the ER. Marinda calls and reschedules with the Myers. On their next attempt, for reasons we can only guess at, Marinda, Zach, and Marcel show up two hours early for their appointment. Peter is not yet home from work, and Joan asks them to return later. When they come back at the appointed time, the Myers are in the middle of dinner. Jennifer and I stand outside the Myers' grandiose home with Detective Ben Boysen. It's an affluent area. Perched on a hillside, the house looks like an Italian villa. The towering 10 foot gate surrounding it is ornate, and above its stone encasing is electrified
3: wire. When they came here, On false pretendants that they are working for the government and they are prepared to assist them with extra money to build that water premises, he opened for them. During this very strange second attempt, the
0: murder squad comes into the dining room and sort of just stands there awkwardly while the Myers dig into steak and potatoes. Mirinda is clad in rhinestone jewelry and the most business casual outfit she could find hoping to cover her many lurking tattoos she launches into her investment pitch somehow it works before they depart marinda insists that they set one final meeting to get the official paperwork signed on friday november 28 2015 a day earlier than they'd agreed to meet Marinda, Zach, and Marcel show up again, hoping to take them by surprise. And again, Peter is not home. Over the building's intercom, the Meyers' son, Nicholas, says he'll call his father. Nicholas reports back that Peter is busy and the appointment is supposed to be the following day. The amateur assassins are really hitting it out of the park, further piquing Peter's suspicions.
3: He didn't trust him. So he actually phoned one of his his business friends and said, you need to come to my premises. I'm meeting these people tonight at a certain time. This co-worker and friend, whose name
0: is Jason, agrees to come over. But then he remembers that his kids have a school recital that evening. So Jason tells his boss he'll do everything he can to make it to the meeting. Best case, he'll most likely arrive late. That night, Nicholas gets a rare call from his brother, Thane asking him to meet for drinks, to catch up. Nicholas jumps at the chance to see his kin. Shortly before 7 p.m. that Saturday, a silver BMW pulls up outside the Myers home. Inside the car are Zach, Marinda, and Marcel. LaRue stays home. He's still healing from shooting himself in the groin. His sister Marcel goes in his place, She's a senior in high school now, that special time when most kids that age are dreaming of their future, not climbing into a murder wagon. Marinda, Zach, and Marcel open the car doors. They step out, guns concealed under their clothes. Peter and Joan are both home and welcome them in. As they make small talk, Peter Meyer mentions that his colleague will be joining them in about 10 minutes. Adrenaline kicks in. Marinda turns red and locks eyes with Zach. An unspoken agreement. It's now or never.
3: Miranda took out the firearm and um, pointed them. And then Marcel put cable ties on them. The now ashen couple is seated on the floor, their hands and feet bound. And then they asked him where the money is. And then the guy said, but there's no money are there money is not in my house i only got i think 700 bucks on him zach barks in their faces he demands the keys to their safe
0: peter meyer pleads with zach repeats the truth they don't keep money at home the couple is left alone with zach as marinda and marcel go hunting for a safe that barnard told them about scared for their lives peter talks a mile a minute his chatter only fuels zach's fury Peter and Joan beg Zach to have mercy, repeating over and over again that they have no money in their home. Eventually, there's nothing more to say. Silence hangs in the air as the couple waits for Miranda and Marcel to return. The two come back, empty-handed. They can't find a safe. That's bad news for the Myers. Peter offers them what little cash he has on hand in his wallet. It's
3: not much. So he gave him, them the 700 rand and um, Zach then became berserk and he started stabbing them both. The paltry sum infuriates Zach. The husband start reciting Psalm
0: 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still
3: waters. He restores my soul. And then he got really mad.
4: Marcel told us when she testified, Zach went berserk. She said they didn't even recognize he was stabbing Joan and stabbing Peter. And then after Peter going back to Joan and they
1: wouldn't know when he was finishing and they had to tell him, listen, you have to finish now because we need to get out of here.
0: At the climax of the bloodshed, the buzzer sounds. It's Jason. Come to attend his boss's investment meeting.
1: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep
5: experts.
1: (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. Collect goods. That's L E E S
2: forward slash Iheart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details
3: He saw Zach Valentine's vehicle and he pressed the button and then Marcel came into the intercom and told him listen we're busy now and there's water fighting in the house, You must come later and then he left Standing outside the imposing security gate of the Myers home,
0: Jason pulls his phone out and calls his boss Peter to check the story No answer Jason calls him again, and again. Still no answer. Jason gets back in his car and drives off with no idea just how close he came to death that night. Inside Zach's volcanic ire frightens even Mirinda, which is saying a lot.
3: Then Zach suddenly freaked out. Now why would he do that?
4: He went like like a possessed person. I got fearful, yes. And they were lying on the floor already, cable tied and everything, and he started stabbing them like...
0: Marinda has to yell at Zach to stop. He finally does. Then he stands up and grabs Peter's wallet before the three of them head out the door.
3: They left only with, with his wallet.
0: Marinda, Zach, and Marcel... Killed Joan and Peter Meyer for the grand sum of 700 rand. Less than a tank of gas for most of us. Cecilia was expecting a much bigger payday.
4: When they came back and said, no, only 700 rand, she was extremely, extremely angry. The fact that Zach killed them, like he did, like this whole outrage thing, angered her even more because that was never part of the plan.
0: The killers split up the proceeds of their robbery. It doesn't take long.
4: The plan was to go rob them. And then the robbery became a murder.
0: As the night wears on and the adrenaline leaches away, Zach's mood shifts dramatically. He begs Cecilia for her forgiveness. He swears his allegiance to her over and over. He let his rage get the better of him. It won't happen again, he promises. The groveling restores Cecilia's sense of power. To show their loyalty, Cecilia makes her followers renew their vows to her and swear a new oath of secrecy. No one must speak of this mistake, ever again. Once again secure in Cecilia's favor, Zach and Marcel hit up a nearby casino. Try to double their money, they invite John Barnard.
4: He gladly joined in the casino trip afterwards to see if they can win anything.
0: Neither he nor Zach have any luck on their side. Marcel, however, wins big, bringing home an extra 200 grand. Marcel boasts to Cecilia when she gets home. Cecilia praises Marcel, calls her, quote, an exemplar of God's good grace. And then, with her typical confidence, Cecilia announces that a woman she knows, a fellow victim of the Satanic Church, is suffering from a kidney disease. It just so happens that she needs exactly 200 Rand. The dutiful Marcel hands over her winnings to Cecilia. That night, at around 9 p.m., Nicholas Meyer and his girlfriend return home from a night out drinking. They find his parents lying dead, in a pool of blood. Nicholas runs to them in horror. His girlfriend must pull him away so he doesn't compromise the crime scene. She convinces him to walk outside where Nicholas phones his brother. When police finally arrive on the scene about an hour later, it doesn't take them long to find solid forensic evidence.
3: The envelope that Marinda brought with her, that she was supposed to work for the government, uh, she left the envelope, yeah. So when the police came to the crime scene, they found the envelope and they found a thumbprint on it.
0: Again, it's Miranda's fingerprints. This time, they're on the forged government paperwork left on the Myers coffee table. Would this be what finally doomed them? Or would the police, once again, match their incompetence? In order to help the police with their investigation, the Myers brothers hire a private detective He's thorough in his search for the killers, and he quickly hones in on Zach's car.
3: There's a lot of cameras on the roads, and the private investigator went and he got camera footage of Zach Valentine's vehicle leaving the vicinity. Peter Meyer's friend and employee Jason
0: confirms that he spotted a silver BMW in the Myers driveway that night.
3: So eventually then they, they came to, to Zach and Marina and said, but listen, you were there. Between the fingerprints and the vehicle ID, the cops have enough to
0: bring in Zach and Miranda for questioning. When confronted, the two killers
3: improvise. And they said, yeah, we were there, but there were other people. and They were fighting with the other people. And we didn't want to get involved, so we left. But the next day, it was in all the newspapers that they were killed. So why didn't you come to the police?
4: They implicated another couple. So they, Zach and Miranda had this whole story worked out. That they were at the Myers house. they didn't deny being there. But they said at some point they left. So they actually just blamed the other couple.
0: The lies kept coming.
4: It was just a fabrication. But they stuck to that story. And that was also the story in the statement. And they even gave descriptions of the other couple. And the police drew up identitutes of this other couple.
0: So the cops began searching in vain for people who didn't even exist. Still, they seized Zach's BMW. The forensics department searches the car, top to bottom, inside and out, and they find nothing. Not a single hair, nor blood stain of evidence. Mirinda must have done one hell of a job cleaning Zach's car of any traces of blood or tissue. The police still had the Myers' sons, Thane and Nicholas, in their sights. After finding his parents murdered, and before the police showed up, Nicholas not knowing if the killers were still in the house, grabbed a screwdriver. When he didn't find anyone, he threw it in the empty pool.
4: Nicholas threw that screwdriver into the pool and it looked very suspicious for the police. So that's why they took them in for questioning and polygraphs and all of that.
0: Nicholas was brought in for questioning alongside Mirinda and Zach. That's when he made a positive ID, reporting that Zach and Mirinda had shown up during dinner one night, claiming to be government officials. Even so, the police didn't have enough to keep any of them in jail. No DNA evidence to connect Zach and Marinda to the murders. And fingerprints aren't enough for a murder charge. So the four of them, the real criminals and the Meyer boys, were all released with the promise that they would be called back in for a polygraph test. One thing to note about this particular and often questioned forensic tool polygraph tests in South Africa cannot be used in a court of law. But they can narrow the focus of an investigation.
3: If both of them fail the polygraph test, then the police will know, listen, now we need to go deeper into this investigation and try to get uh, more information to link them to the murders.
0: Thane and Nicholas are brought in first. Nerves racked. They don't do so well on the polygraph.
4: So, the siblings... They actually failed.
0: So the police remained skeptical about the brothers' involvement. The walls were closing in, and Zach was fast becoming a liability.
4: They were going to do a a lie detector test, and Zach knew he can't do the lie detector test because they will see that he killed the guy.
0: Behind on his car payments, the bank seized the silver BMW he'd been spotted in. Now with no way to get around independently, no steady income, and the police hounding him to come in for a polygraph, Cecilia began to question
3: the man who'd long been her ever-loyal piggy bank. Then it was decided that now he needs to die.
0: On the next episode of Queen Havoc.
3: He was found in a car with uh, a pipe through the exhaust and then the police said, okay, he committed suicide.
2: That's really bad. You don't expect somebody to go just pass away.
4: We actually met Cecilia and the whole group, Zach and Mirinda and all of them, and it's only afterwards that I realized that we were being groomed. It could have been me and you. They were doing regular jobs showing up for an appointment, and they were killed.
0: Queen Havoc and Her Murder Cult is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts. Queen Havoc is hosted and created by me, Kurt Kubicek. Produced and written by Jennifer Tacchini, Julia Kriskow, and Kurt Kubicek. Lead producer is Julia Kriskow. Story editor is Zaren Burnett. Senior producer is Amelia Brock. Production manager is Daisy Church. Original music composed by Claire Campbell. Editing, sound design, and scoring by Jesse Neiswanger. Associate Producers are Dashan Moodley and Jermaine Kriher. Additional Producing by Ben Melman. Fact Checking by Dennis Webster. Recording Engineers are Graham Gibson, Clay Hillenberg, and Josh Hook. Brenda Stein was read by Angelique Pretorius. Executive Producers are Virginia Prescott, L.C. Crowley, Brandon Barr, Jennifer Tkini, and Kurt Kubicek. We want to thank all of those who so generously welcomed us in South Africa and shared their stories. We're incredibly grateful to you all. We also want to acknowledge how traumatic these events are for the victims and their families. Please respect their privacy. If you or someone you know has been affected by cult behaviors, there are resources available, including Voices for Dignity at ChristineMurray.com.